Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jesse Parker Humphreys, joined today by Abdullah. Abdullah, we are back with the rest of our Women's World Cup group previews. We are doing groups E to H today. But first things first, Abdullah, we've got to talk about this mammoth gym session you were posting about all over social media. Three hours in the gym, I've been seeing. You're getting in those World Cup games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta get gotta get that marathon ready for the, for the World Cup coming up because there's games at random times. So I thought, you know what, what better to do than to get that stamina and that cardio up? But no, it was a pretty intense session over the weekend. Yesterday, I for anybody that hasn't seen it, I was it I was I did legs for three hours and ten minutes and I burned over eleven hundred calories and safe to say I'm, I'm feeling it today. So yeah, <laughs> it was an intense session. I love that dedication to making the most of the off off the off season. I think it's technically still the off season you know we've got we're four days out now from the the world cup starting i fly out on wednesday so i'm currently making the most of some of my last days in england before i have to try and deal with the time difference which is going to be an interesting experience um but we are going to come to you today with a chelsea themed group e to h preview obviously in our last episode we went and did a to d so Go back and have a listen to that if you want to find out about that first set of games, uh, that first set of groups. And we may as well jump straight into it, Abdullah. So Group E, probably one of the like tastiest groups in the tournament, I would say. We've got the Netherlands, the USA, Portugal and Vietnam. Let's start with the Netherlands because they obviously do have a Chelsea player with them in Anique Nouwen. But it's going to be an interesting tournament, I think, for her, because obviously when the Euros were on, Anique had sort of found herself in this starting spot. She wasn't always starting, but like she was definitely filling in, picking up minutes centre-back. I think she played minutes left-back as well at one point. Um, but it definitely seems like under the current Netherlands coach, there isn't a place for her in the Netherlands' back line. What do you make of that? Is this something that reflects on now on is this something that reflects on the way the Netherlands want to play because I've got to be honest I felt kind of surprised by it yeah just just a little bit I mean yeah like you said there was there was a point where she was starting and you'd think okay cool you know going into this into this new uh into this world cup into this year everything will be it'll be fine we have any any you know starting for the Netherlands and I think for her I think it was good and I think that was part reasoning why she wanted to go to Milan on loan, right? To kind of keep her place in the national team, keep that fitness and that and that rhythm going. But even though she she did well uh, for the Italian side, um, it just seems like the new coach hasn't really favored her in like in like one position. Like you said, kind of played at left back for for a bit, has, has played a few minutes here and there at centre back. But I think I think it's just been um, it's been it's been interesting to see that. You know the the coaches just decided to just change her out. Whether it's whether it's to do with a change of style that the Dutch have have, have adopted, maybe going into the World Cup. Maybe it's it's you know he they've seen something that you know they they haven't liked. You know because I mean you 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 got a couple of old heads in there. Right? You got you got Dominic Janssen, who isn't the best defensively, but's got the experience. Stephanie van der Gaat's there as well. Um, when you've got players like this there, you know, you, you would think you'd want someone who's a little bit more athletic, a little bit younger, a little bit who can move around. And I thought Anik gave that. Um, it's it's going to be interesting because I, I, I don't know whether 
is it just in the lead up that they're trying something new and then we get to the first game of the of the World Cup against Portugal and then they suddenly revert back to Anik starting alongside alongside uh, one of the center backs uh, and they're just testing out just in case they need to switch it around. Um, I don't know, but it is definitely it definitely was uh, strange to me and 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 you know, I'm I'm so yeah, see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, so I watched the Dutch play Belgium as their warm-up game. And I was mainly on Nicky Everard watch, I've got to be honest. But um, they were kind of playing this back three with Spitzer, Van der Graat, Janssen. And I did feel like, oh, it felt very risky just in terms of pace. That I felt like you were asking a lot of three older centre-backs. And I definitely think Anique has shown she could play in a back three. She's actually done it a lot for, for Chelsea and... I feel kind of disappointed for her because obviously we don't really know where exactly her future with Chelsea lies. But I think kind of before I felt like maybe she wasn't going to make it in the team, I was like, well, the obvious option is going to be everyone watches her at the World Cup. Like everyone back at the club watches her at the World Cup, sees how she deals with it. You know, she's got a very, I think, good group potentially to like show you know they're gonna have to play the USA that's like basically gonna be the biggest test for any team at this World Cup potentially but with Anik likely not starting Abdullah what impact do you think that might have on her Chelsea future yeah I think I think it's big because um I think she would have I think she would have been thinking right like if I have a really good loan and I have a really good World Cup Chelsea have no option but to keep bring me back and kind of play her especially with the fact that she would have seen and known that Magda's leaving and that there was a obvious spot there for her to be able to go in and kind of claim and you know and, and to say okay fine yes there is Millie Bright and Kadisha Buchanan but that 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 left-sided spot um is free is freed up with one less experienced player that's it to, to be in contention and she would have seen Kadisha's first season Knowing that okay, she didn't have the best first season, so I have a shout in there to 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 be competing as a as a number one alongside Millie Bright, and kind of not making the Dutch side, I think is 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 slightly detrimental because I think yes, to an extent, the club know her quality. They saw her at Milan, and obviously that's a longer and bigger sample size to be able to to bring out and and use to determine how 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 good she is. But the 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 World Cup would have just been that icing on the cake where. If she does come up against uh, a Portugal, and then and then suddenly the next game it's against the USA, which, like you said, is probably the hardest game anybody's going to face. If she can put in two good performances against two of those types of opposition, and then kind of continue that as the tournament goes on, it it, it only just kind of puts more doubt in in Emma Hayes's mind into you know okay. I've got another centre back here that's that's just operated really well for the last six to eight months, and and maybe it is there is a decision to be made on. You know, do do I you know do I bring her in and play? Because not to forget, we we've, we've got Jess Carter there who can play a centre back as well. So there is competition, but it's about forcing Emma Hayes's hand into all right. How do I reorganize this defense to fit in another player? And if you don't give her more reasons, then you know you are going to be the one to be left out. Whereas you know we talked about in the last episode where. Jess Carter's in line for a starting role. And if Anique is not, that automatically, I think, puts her on the back foot in terms of, you know, who should be that third choice slash first choice going going into the start of the season. Yeah, it will be really interesting to see because I do feel like this back three approach from the Dutch could be... Um, pretty spicy and and equally I think Anique is sort of the obvious centre-back in who's not currently playing who 
who could have an opportunity to make a difference. Um, but equally, you know, obviously they, as a squad, have had a lot of turnover basically ever since Serena Wiegmann left. You know, they had Mark Parsons in for the for the Euros and now they've got Jonker in for, for the World Cup. So I, I hope that this there could still be an opportunity for her to feature in this World Cup. There could be an opportunity for her to break in, into the team. But obviously we'll have to see. Let's quickly touch on the US. Obviously, no Chelsea presence here but there would have been if Kat Macario was fit. Um, just quickly looking at this from a US perspective, I think it feels like, Abdullah, that a lot of people who are kind of engaged within the US, um, you know, who really follow them closely as a national team, felt like that um, Vlatko Andonovsky, the manager, was really sort of planning maybe for Macario actually to play as the nine at this tournament, you know, all things being equal. Who knows if that's actually the case? Like, I do think it's interesting that Sophia Smith has shown repeatedly how good she is at a nine and, and Alex Morgan still has that still has that starting spot. So so maybe this is all like it well, it obviously is all hypotheticals. Um, but how much do you think it is for the US like how much of a loss do you think it is for the US not to have Kat at this tournament? I think I think it's a I think it's a major loss. I think we've seen over the last couple of years, uh, in general, both at club and 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 at country. I think ever since Kat's been pushed into the into the national team, I I, I feel like she's kind of shown that they she gave them something that they didn't have, and she's kind of she's added that spark into the team that they needed that bit of creativity up front. I think with Alex Morgan, I think she's thirty three or thirty four now. You know, she is coming towards the end of her time. Obviously, Carly Lloyd retired last year. So they were kind of looking for their next striker heir. And while Sophia Smith is there, I think she's kind of proven that she's a little bit better coming in off the left. She kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Timo Werner type character, kind of like she she's she's a striker, but she's really good at coming off the sides and kind of playing behind those lines and probably with somebody else leading the line. Um, and I think Cap, it was like a really good foil to that because it's not... Kat was not just athletic, but she kind of plays as like this nine and a half, you know, and I think kind of bring able, being able to both hold defenders and kind of bring them back really allowed for uh, Sophia Smith and, and, and whoever else plays on the other side to kind of drive in behind and kind of make space. And I think, you know, with that, you know, with that loss of Kat, I think you lose out on both having a player that can play as a 10 and having a player that can play as a as a striker, though the US have been playing a little bit of a 4-3-3 anyway, with, with a holding midfielder and two two central midfielders kind of pushing forward, you would have then backed, um, you know, you would have backed Kat to kind of play like this this role where she's able to drop in and then the US can use the two players on the side to kind of go in front. So I think I think tactically she would have brought a lot in and she would have maybe, you know, she would have been able to play a lot more of a what's the word like she would have she would have been able to have the chemistry with the midfield and kind of create those box midfields that we see nowadays and and kind of really make something to do with that or even a diamond um but yeah i know i think i think cat would have would would have given them something a, a difference that, that probably teams would have not been too used to considering what they've seen in the u.s in the past now i think while the u.s will still be dangerous it they revert back to what they've probably been playing for the last four or five years which is more of a static striker and, and and Alex Morgan up front. And then you've got the two wide players and the rest of the midfield, which in general, they've been struggling to kind of come up with a midfield three that they've really settled on. I mean, obviously I think Lindsay Horan's in there. 
as a regular, but then, you know, with Juliet's being out, who do they play as a six? You know, they don't have Sam Mewis. They've got Christy Mewis in now. So there have been a little bit of discussion on how do you how do you make that midfield work? So I think with Cap being there, it would have been a little less uncertain, but uh, it'll still be interesting to see. And, and, and I think for Chelsea... I mean, she just gets an extra month or a month and a half uh, to to rest and rehab and kind of come straight into into Chelsea rehab and, and Chelsea gets to get a closer look at it, right? In terms of monitoring her fitness and and kind of seeing firsthand rather than getting secondhand information from the U.S. medical team. So, uh, I think overall for Chelsea, great news for USA, maybe not so much. Yeah, it will definitely be interesting to see because I think you know from a Chelsea perspective, basically the worst thing that could have happened would have been for Kat to be like almost fit or half fit and understandably want to go and play in the World Cup for the US and maybe be over relied on. Um, obviously, it does sort of mean we don't know actually where she is in terms of her comeback from her injury. And I don't think it was like a close call. Like I think she was quite far away from getting to the World Cup. Um, but yeah, we've obviously seen that she's been at Cobham, that she's in London. Um, and yeah, I think that is, I, I agree with exactly what you say, that is a great opportunity for Chelsea to to basically have their own sort of medical staff, their own strength and conditioning staff, which is obviously like such a key point, element at this point in recovery from an ACL injury for them to be able to support her. I, I think that will be a really, really big deal. But yeah, obviously a shame for her in particular because I do think she could have played such a crucial role for the for the US in the in this World Cup and I think the US they're probably still my favorites I can't lie um but definitely she's like one of the pieces who I think we'll see over the next couple of years sort of helping bring through this new generation of of American players um Portugal Vietnam other teams in this group obviously England had that nil nil draw with Portugal uh, Vietnam, I worry, could kind of be the the whipping girls of the group. Um, but how how do you see this one going? I guess Abdullah, it feels like you know, obviously, it's between the USA and the Netherlands in terms of who comes out on on top here. Repeat of the twenty nineteen final. But could do you think Portugal could like maybe throw a little bit of a spanner in the works? Yeah, I I'm not I'm not too uh, I'm not too down on Portugal. I I think they can do better than I think a lot of people can think. And I agree with you. It's either the US or the Netherlands to take top spot. I will I will give the US that edge just just because of experience and the players that they have, the quality they have is is undeniable. I would not be surprised if Portugal took something against the Netherlands. And I believe that is the first game that the Netherlands play. They play Portugal in in, in the first game followed by the US. And you know if if Portugal can take something from that game because I think for the most part, I think Portugal will probably lose to the U.S. I think the U.S. will probably will probably take that, and you can expect six points from the Vietnam and the and the Portugal game for the U.S. So that already puts them ahead. I think then it just puts a little bit more pressure on the Dutch to take something away from Portugal, and knowing that it's the first game, you already have that pressure going. All right, we play the U.S. next. If we drop points here, it's a lot of pressure in that next game, and then you kind of have to rely on the U.S. to kind of do more. I like I like Jessica Silva. You know, I think she's obviously she was she's ex Leon and she's kind of playing in, in Portugal now. She's kind of their talismanic figure. Um, Fatima Pinto and and Tatiana Pinto. I think they're a couple of really good midfielders uh, to kind of look at as well. So um, they've got a couple of players that, that I think can cause some issues. And and I think I won't lie. I think Portugal's probably in the next couple of years going to be that that country and that and that league where we're going to start seeing more players jump into to mainland Europe and and you know play in England and Germany and France and 
Um, because I, I feel like the national team have these players sporting and Benfica have regularly been in the Champions League. They've they've played decent, decent games. They've got some decent players, and I think their infrastructure is getting better. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple of breakout stars and in, in uh, you know in this in this uh, World Cup for them who are younger and then obviously the slightly older ones who have a bit of experience can kind of produce something. So I, I'm not I'm not gonna totally put Portugal out of this. I think they can take something from 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 the uh from the Netherlands game and I'm assuming they should be able to beat Vietnam as well so you almost kind of put the top three teams on three points each and then after that you kind of you kind of have to see where it goes yeah I definitely agree with you about Portugal being being interesting to see especially how they develop over the next couple of years they're obviously making their their World Cup debut but I think their kind of ascendancy could be very quick something that I thought was interesting was that FIFA Pro did a report on the number of minutes players and squads have played in the lead up to the World Cup and first was England second was Spain but third was Portugal which kind of took me by surprise but I think also shows like how many of these Portuguese players are playing in you know a robust and exciting league in Portugal, which has like a domestic cup competition, which has Champions League minutes available if you're playing in Benfica. And actually, obviously from like an English or Spanish perspective, people are kind of talking about it as burnout. But I think from a Portuguese perspective, actually maybe offers the opportunity of like, these are players, lots of whom we play together and are fit and are match fit and are kind of ready to go. So um, definitely could be an interesting team to keep an eye on. Let's take a quick ad break here. And when we come back, we'll move on to Group F. So another very tasty group, E and F, I think, are the two really to keep an eye on in this uh, in this group stage. So Group F is France, Brazil, Jamaica and Panama. Obviously, our Chelsea ref- representative here, Abdullah, is Eve Perisette. Interesting position for her as well. It's similar to what we talked about with Anik, but maybe even more surprising because we've seen Eve Perisette be a bit of a stalwart for the French at fullback over the past couple of seasons excelled at the Euros in that position, um, had a very good season at Chelsea, I think, you know, especially one that towards the end really, really picked up. But the French have had a lot of upheaval. Obviously, Corinne Diacre was basically ousted, um, I think deservedly so, but Renard has come in, former Saudi Arabia manager on the men's side, and it's kind of shaken things up for Eve. She's in competition with Maela Lacra for the starting spot. Lacra has had four caps. First cap she got in February. She's a former under-19 Euros winner with France. And in the game, the the warm-up game for France against Australia, she got the nod. So, Abdullah, I know you are also especially clued on in French football generally. What what have you made of this, this, you know, uh, battle between Perisset and Lacra? Because I've got to be honest... I wasn't familiar with this gal. Not gonna lie, when I when I first when I first saw and I was first heard of her, I wasn't too aware. But I think slowly but surely, it's what I what I think is is good about it is that it, we we've moved on, for, you know, in French football and French national team, where Diakar kind of used the same core of players, and you kind of knew, even though she brought in you know, players who were kind of on the fringes and kind of bring them in to kind of test out how they would how they would operate you were pretty sure that the same players are going to play each and every time. And I think with Javier Renard, he's come in and he's kind of given everybody this clean slate and said, all right, I'm going to bring in players that I can, I, I'm going to watch uh, footage on and I'm going to give different people a chance. And the fact that he's bringing Lacroix and he's given her a chance to to kind of play and and, and he's seen, um, he, he's given that not against Australia, I think is is definitely telling because 
you would assume so close to the World Cup that this is the starting 11 that he would be thinking barring one or two positions maybe, right? And right back would have been one. D'Almeida at centre-back probably would have been another. And maybe Kenza Dali is the third one where you kind of decide, do I, do I not want to, right? And the rest of it you think is there. And, you know, it was it was surprising. But when you've got this youth and you've got this player in there who kind of brings in something different, I think it's good. What I, what, what I like about, what I think makes sense here is they're, both Karshawi and Lakra, who both started the fullbacks, they're both young, energetic, they push up and down. And I think Eve doesn't give you that sort of maybe energy that maybe he's looking for from, from, from his fullback then. That's the reason why she started in there. But, you know, I, I think for, on the outset, it's not a bad position to be in because then at least it pushes Eve to maybe look at her game and see where she can improve because obviously she went through this sort of a competition at Chelsea, whether it was Neve Charles or Jess Carter to kind of play in at right back. And obviously now going back to Chelsea, she's going to have Ashley Lawrence as, as competition as well. So I think she's used to this. So I think this isn't going to phase her. I think she'll, she'll be fine. It's just interesting to see that we have a, a relatively unknown name ousting uh, a veteran of uh, of the national team and someone who started at the Euros, uh, you know, at, at fullback. Um, and not to forget, there is Estelle Cascarino who can kind of play in the fullback positions as well. So, so there is a little bit of competition, but I think initially it's 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 uh, it is concerning from a Chelsea perspective that you know she's just kind of just been like put put on the bench, uh, I, you know, a week before the the Euro, uh, World Cup is supposed to start. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely coming from a biased perspective, but it does feel like risky. I think watching Lacra in that Australia game, it wouldn't have like filled me with confidence in terms of like the defensive options she had. But also I don't know, we should talk about the injury Selma Basha picked up as well, because France are also like kind of in this world where they just seem to have this plethora of fullbacks, which has historically been a position where in women's football it's felt like you can't find any of them. But France have so many they they play Selma Basha in a in attacking position on the wing. She obviously picked up this injury in the Australia game. I think fortunately it looks like her World Cup won't be over. But do you think this is something that could then impact the fullbacks? Or or do you think we'll see someone like Vivia Sae, for example, who, who can kind of play on the wing? We, we normally see her play up front for West Ham. But like, is that a role that she potentially could fill in? Obviously, feels like Lussomer and Diani are the obvious options at the nine and on the right. There's no Baltimore in the squad at all. Another kind of maybe controversial, maybe not actually that controversial decision. Um, but do you think we could see anyone else sort of being pushed forward from that fullback position? Do you think that could open up something for, for Eve? Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's a couple of options here, right? You've got Naomi Feller from from Real Madrid who can kind of fill into into one of the attacking spots who's young. You've got her, you've got Clara Mateo who who at the Euros played on a, in, a, in a wider position when she came off the bench. You've kind of got the obvious Amal Majri up there, you know, who can come in for a straight swap, kind of come in and play in that left wing position for Basha. She used to play uh, a left back, but she got moved up further forward into into a left wing position. So she's she's kind of come back into form and 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 is obviously wearing the number ten jersey. So there's an option there. But I think what would make sense to me is pushing Sakina Kashawi up to left wing, and then that kind of opens up space for Eve to come in because if you're going to play Kashawi and Basha, the idea would have been. Kershawi is an attacking fullback, but Basha is also a left back who's playing at left wing, who's really good both going forwards. And I, I think Basha's the bit more well-rounded fullback to Kershawi for me. And her defensive ability would have helped, you know, curtail and cover 
cover both whoever's playing a left-sided uh, center midfield, in this case, say Kenza Dali, and then Kershawi bombing forward so they have that understanding. But I think if if you're gonna have if you want to if you want to replicate the same sort of idea, I would then move if Harrison maybe into a left back position, push Kershawi up to left wing, and you kind of you can kind of play there, um, and, and you kind of can can retain that. You could probably do that with Amal Majri as well, but um, I think from a match fitness point of view, not even match fitness, but more from an athletic point of view, you know, from an attacking perspective and kind of keeping in with the players who've been playing consistently for the last year in the French national team. Obviously, Amal Maggi was pregnant. She had, she had her kid and then she's kind of come back into the season for Lyon. I would probably throw Karshawi in at left wing and, and maybe bring in Eve Paris over there. There's there's an option over there. And then if you want to continue with Lacrara and at right back, you can. I mean, but I think the other option is obviously just a straight swap between uh, between Majri and 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 Basha. But if it's only if it's for a game, then whoever does come in has to really impress against uh, Jamaica and then kind of see what happens. Because I think Basha's too good to not start. I mean, and we saw that at the Euros that whenever she came on, she changed the game. And I think her time to to be a starter for the French national team is is probably now. And and and. You know, I, I think I think Kevin Renard sees the same same thing. Yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. A great group here as well, as we've already said. Brazil, obviously, the main challengers. Lots of exciting players to watch there. Um, Carolyn, JC, Dabinia, Marta, obviously going for her gazillionth World Cup. Jamaica as well could be interesting challenges. They've obviously had a tough time getting there, but you can't really write off Bunny Shaw. Panama as well, making up the rest of that group. How do you see this one going for, for France, Abdullah? Do you think do you think they come out on top here? Because I'm kind of leaning towards Brazil topping this group. I've got good vibes about Brazil. I like Brazil. I feel like there's been a lot of a lot of hype with Brazil. I think they've got some good players. Like I said, Carolyn, JC's had a good season, you know, winning the Champions League. Dabinia's kind of going from strength to strength. She had a good season with the KC Currents as well, kind of having, uh, you know, uh, moving there. I I will still give it to France, though. I think I think that's the only place I'll go. I think I think France should top the group. I thought they had a pretty decent Euros, uh, all things considered with the whole mess that was going on there at the time. And if it weren't for some great saves against Germany in that in that semi-final, I think we would have seen an England-France final uh, at the time. So, and I and I still think that I think that the, the camp is happier. I think the players are 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 getting more and more used to it. I think they have a very deep bench. I think I probably I think with the exception of probably England. I would say France have the deepest bench with the most experienced players. I mean, you just look at the bench against Australia, Clara Matteo, Lele Garrick, uh, you know, Vicky Besho, Majri, SAE, Yves Parise, Estelle Cascarino, you got like six, seven, eight players there who were experienced internationals and played really, really well for their club sides, you know, at top, top sides. Even Tunkara, who obviously didn't play much for Manchester United, is still a, a top class central uh central defender and then Fazer is a uh, one that's coming through the PSG system and kind of had a breakthrough season. So I, I think, I think France have a really, really deep, uh, deep squad there. So I probably will just edge it to, uh, to France, but I get like, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I wouldn't be surprised with, especially with Brazil and, and kind of the squad they have to come out on top. Definitely a good one to keep an eye on. I am going to be at France Brazil, Brazil in Brisbane. I'm really, really looking forward to that one. Okay. Let's move on to group G then. Sweden are our main focus here. Sweden, Italy, South Africa and Argentina in this group. Another one that like could be quite interesting, I think, just simply because the obvious favourites maybe in Sweden, Italy, 
potentially aren't as good as, as other people think. But let's, let's start with Sweden. Um, so Chira Musevic and Johanna Ritten-Kanerud, obviously Chelsea's representation here. There used to be another player who played for Sweden, but I can't remember who she is. Uh, let's start by talking about Zachira. Um This could be, I think, potentially an amazing tournament for her. It seems like she is going to get the nod to start in goal for Sweden. She's a player, obviously... Lots of people have kind of doubts about how good she can be. I think there have been points at Chelsea where she has played in big games. And, you know, that draw against Arsenal at the Emirates is is one game which you can't really ignore. Like, she saved everything she had to save, but it was all sort of at her. And we've kind of seen her not really be used in other big games for Chelsea. And I think lots of people have that kind of question mark over her, whether she can play on the bigger stages, whether she can keep her team in the game. Do you think she'll be able to do that for Sweden at this World Cup? I think she'll be tested way more, that's for sure. I mean, if you expect um, the way things go for Sweden to to kind of push through into the next round, I think it, it just makes, it makes sense that she will eventually get targeted a little bit more because I think teams will, uh, the, the quality teams will get better. I think Italy... And I think and, and Argentina, I think, will cause a few problems to to Sweden because I don't think they're both bad opponents. I think I think they they've actually got a little bit of uh, uh, a bit of quality to them, especially with Italy and 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 the way uh, the Italian team kind of kind of runs with their with the, with their teams. I think they've got some quality up there. I think it'll be a very very important tournament. I think to me, this is a very much similar to an Anik Nawa situation where a good World Cup kind of then helps with the whole goalkeeping situation considering Chelsea have like five goalkeepers on the books right now with all technically con- uh, you know contracted to stay at Chelsea for the for next season obviously there will be loans but there is going to be an argument to say who starts in goal right because yes maybe AKB right 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 now is 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 probably going to be the number one if we had to take a guess but I think Zichira is is going to use this World Cup to kind of put a thought into Amahaze's mind saying that, well, look, okay, look, if, if they can go far in this tournament and she has a really good performance and let's say it's a fluke goal that that kind of knocks them out or if they do win it, they win it, right? Um, that's the best case scenario for her. Uh, then Amahaze has a decision to make, right? Because then she can say, well, my one goalkeeper reached the semifinal of a World Cup. My other goalkeeper maybe reached the quarter or another semifinal as well. You know, I've got two goalkeepers here. Who do I start? Who do I want to start based on performances? Because what essentially Zachira has to match, if not better, whatever AKB does. If AKB does start for Germany, let's just say she has to match or not, not do better. And even if AKB doesn't start for Germany, Zachira just has to do better in general. She has to basically have like that Arsenal game, like you said. Yes, everything was to her, but she kept the clean sheet. And that's what you can all you can ask for your goalkeeper, right? Even if it's coming at you, you need to make the save. And I think she needs to just do that for for Sweden. If she gets the opportunity to start, she needs to just make sure that she has a good tournament. She pulls off the saves and kind of pulls Sweden out of any potential situations that they may find themselves in. So important few games, and I think from there uh, it's it's all on Zichir to to kind of move forward and and kind of go from there because the competition behind her in Jennifer Falk is is not easy. I mean that's it's I mean talk about competition at Chelsea she's also got competition for the national team with, with another really good goalkeeper there so uh it's tough but um yeah I, I think I think it'll be an important month for uh for Zichira. 
Yeah, it's fascinating, really, that Chelsea have four goalkeepers, all of whom play important roles in their their national teams. But Zachira is probably the only one who who start a World Cup, and it's not a bad team to be starting for at all. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see if she can kind of make the most of it, if she can show maybe what she's developed sort of in the past year, eighteen months at Chelsea, um, and have the opportunity to to show that on the bigger stage. Let's talk about Jana Ritten-Kanarid as well. Um, someone who will be interesting to see how much of a role she does play for Sweden. Obviously didn't have a huge amount of minutes. Well, actually she had this strange thing where she did have a huge amount of minutes for Chelsea. Didn't really start many games. Didn't really impress. Um, but I do think it's the kind of profile who it feels like could potentially work maybe even better at a World Cup than she does in domestic football just because she feels like such a wind up and go player you know like one of those little toys like you crank her up and like you set her running and it's what Chelsea have tried to use her for in the latter stages of games um do you think we'll see her have have an impact here Abdullah yeah for sure I think I think uh Johanna's is one of those players that you give her even a little bit of space and she will just like, I, I love that analogy of just like the wind up toy and you just kind of let her go. And then she just kind of runs. And she reminds me of that. And she reminds me of like the Duracell bunny where she just runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. And, you know, towards the end where she was just producing all these sorts of runs, getting in behind, but she just didn't, just couldn't finish and score a goal or, or get an assist to, you know, to save her life. And I, I think that just was just unlucky. Um, but I think for I think for Sweden I think for Sweden I think she has a little bit better of an understanding with the players. Uh, obviously, she has, you know, uh, a bit more of an active role uh, for for Sweden. And I think coming up against the the teams they are going to come up against, like Italy, South Africa, Argentina, I think she will have the opportunity to be able to run at defenders one on one. And I think she's a very very good one on one. Uh, winger and I think if you look at the entire squad I wouldn't say it's too far of a uh too much of a stretch to say she's probably one of the best I mean you take Fridolina Rolfo aside for a second she's probably the best one-on-one player I think for me there I mean maybe Sophia Jakobsen's gonna have some words but I I I would I prefer I think I think Britain Canada I think has the pace and has the has the uh, one-on-one ability to be able to to beat pretty much most fullbacks so i think i think sweden will definitely use her pace and her uh, agility over there i think another player that i think if she has a good world cup can then use that momentum to kind of spring spring uh springboard herself that's the word into into more minutes at chelsea because obviously now she's gonna have um she's gonna she's gonna have to start on the bench again because obviously lauren james had a really good season you've always obviously got uh, Sam Kerr around, and then uh, you know, and then you've got you've got the girl right and and whatnot. So she won't start, but if things don't go according to plan, and then she can she has a really good World Cup again. One of those players that you can kind of throw in and start putting doubts in the manager's mind to go and say, okay, maybe I need to start games now. And um, I do think that Canarid has a lot to give both for Chelsea and for Sweden, and I. I personally want her to succeed because I just really think she's a really good player. And if we can get the best out of her, I feel like she can have a girl right and like glow up. All right. Well, we will hope to see that quickly. Just wrap up where you think this group will go. Italy, South Africa, Argentina, the other three teams, as we have said. I do think Sweden, for me, feel like the obvious favourites. But Italy, maybe it'll be interesting to see how well they do. Potentially, I could see them 
getting pipped by an Argentina or a South Africa who obviously won the Africa Cup of Nations recently. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I think um, I think Sweden should be by far the the number one team for the group. I, I don't I don't see too many too many complaints over there. I it's going to be a close one with the other three. I think I think if you look at like you said, South Africa really done really well in the African Cup of Nations. Italy have a really good squad. You see the way Milan, Juventus, Inter, Roma, all of them kind of have played. I think they're getting better. But a low key, I think I want to give it to Argentina. I just, I just have a feeling. I think they've got a really good squad. Um, they've done well at major tournaments. The last World Cup, I thought they had a pretty decent comeback over there as well. And was it was my introduction to 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 women's football on, on the major stage. So I was quite surprised with the way they played as well. Obviously, Estefania Banini is 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 their talismanic uh, figure over there. Is who's who's so experienced and played in so many big games and 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 whatnot. They're just thirty three, so uh, the Atletico de Madrid play I think is is a good one. And I think I think I think they just slowly are just becoming better and better. I think Gramalia has played in the NWSL as well, so she she's also another big one there. I will probably I will just just for the sake of it, I'm going to edge it to Argentina, and also because I feel like. Argentina's away kit is pretty, pretty good. So I'll give it to Argentina. That is the only way we should actually be ranking these groups. So I fully support ranking based on kits. All right, let's take another ad break here and come back and we'll finish off with the final group of the World Cup, Group H. So Group H is Germany's group and a actual whole host of Chelsea players again in here. We have Melly Leupoldt and Katrin Berger, Shuka Nuskin, and I will give an honorary shout out to Jisoo Young with South Korea as well. Colombia and Morocco making up the rest of that group. Let's start with Germany. They're on a pretty interesting run at the moment, Abdullah. They're a bit up and down. Um, maybe we'll start quickly with Anne Katrin Berger. She probably won't start. She's behind Merle Fromm's. I kind of understand it. I would start AKB, but this just feels like Germany have ended up with two of the world's best goalkeepers and there's not really much more to it than that, is there? Yeah, it's not like any other position, right? Where you can kind of shoehorn them in and just kind of play them there. I mean, if you could have two goalkeepers, that would be absolutely hilarious. Put AKB up front. <laughs> forget Leah Schuler, forget Alex Pop. Put AKB up front. That's what we're saying. Let's get AKB up front. Let's do that. Let's do that. And then just use her heading ability and, uh, and diving. I think that would be great. Um, yeah, I, I, it's just one of those situations. It's like, you know, if France have the fullback depth, I think Germany have the goalkeeping depth. They've, they've just got like, you know, two, three really, really good uh, players. I mean, I'm pretty sure if you were to call Ben Karth back into the side, she could do a really good job for you as well. So there's like three goalkeepers there that I think Germany could use and, and, and have. So I think when it comes to AKB, I think it's just unfortunate that she's just kind of ended up in this generation of, of goalkeepers where she is... Just not first choice. And the annoying thing is she's older than than the current active goalkeepers there. Merle from just 28, AKB is in her 30s. So that also doesn't help. I mean, if it was the it was the opposite, then maybe you think that there's a chance in the next couple of years, maybe AKB could could, could pip her in there. But um I, I guess it is, I think with AKB, I think it just it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. But I think two players who might have bigger roles to play, although it'd be interesting to see what roles exactly they do play. Shukanuskin has been historically pre preferred by Martina Vostecklenburg in defence. We know that she can play really well in defence. That's really where she excelled this season. But we also know that Emma Hayes is like, I see her as a holding midfielder. That's where I want to play her. Not even just as a holding midfielder. She says she would potentially play her as an A. What 
impact do you think it might have for Nuskin if she is? And I don't think she's going to start, but if she was going to start, if she was playing at centre-back for Germany this World Cup, do you think that's overall still a good thing? Or is it a bit of a frustration for Chelsea that you're not seeing the player you bought playing in the position you want to play them in? I think Chelsea can't have too many complaints as of right now because they've just bought her in the offseason and they haven't even let her kick a ball. I mean, they've not been able to let uh, have her kick a ball for Chelsea. And, you know, Germany have obviously seen her a lot longer at Antwerp Frankfurt before. And obviously she's played both as a six and a and a centre-back and as an eight for the German side over there. So I think Germany are probably in a better place to understand where they want to play her and where they suit her, where she suits them. So I think I think from that perspective, I think it's it, it's fine. Um, for me, yes, I would obviously love to see her playing as a six, but then you've got Lena Oberdorf. I mean, if there's one player you're going to look at and go, all right, fair enough. I'll, you can play and defend over anything, anything else is, is Lena Oberdorf, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's like, fine, Chelsea couldn't get Lena Oberdorf. Well, we got the next best thing, right? I, I, I'm assuming if Lena Oberdorf's ever injured, Shuganuskin is like your preferred number six. And I think Germany would do that. Um, so for me, any minutes at the World Cup in any position that she does end up playing, whether it's as an eight or as a as a centre back, I think for me is is uh, is 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 important, and I think would be really really good for for them. Because I mean, not to forget, I mean, there's Lena Latvine, there's Sydney Lohman, there's there is Lena Magul, there's Sara Dabritz. I mean, there are so many midfielders in this German side that if if Nuskin being one of the younger ones there gets in that side. I think that on its own is a huge win for her as a player and for Chelsea to see, okay, considering there are these world-class center midfielders and defensive midfielders there, the fact that she's able to step into that team regardless and, and, and you know, Vossenglerberg wants her to be in that team, I think is 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 a win overall and and good because, I mean, if she was to play at centre-back, right, there's Marina Hegering experience, but, you know, on the older side at 33 years old, um, you know, you've got Sara Dorsun Khaje, who I think is another one who's who's in her thirties, thirty-one years old. So there, there, there are a couple of thirty-year-olds in there, which obviously is is better when you're looking at a at a at a, at a, at a I mean, Catherine Hendrick again, thirty-one years old. So their three centre backs are pretty much in the thirties. So it wouldn't be a bad thing to get a get a get a younger player in there and. Um, but I guess they can look back and say, look, we got to a, a Euros final just a year ago, exactly almost a year ago. So, oh, wow, it's a year and actually three days time. That's not too, uh, in, in, in a couple of weeks time. That's that's not a couple of weeks time, rather, not not, not too shabby. But um, uh, yeah, I think any, any, any minutes is a win just because of the quality of players that I think Germany have. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you're you're talking there about the all the midfielders Germany has and Melanie Leupold obviously fits into that category. Someone who I think, you know, before she had a, her child, maybe had a bit more of a position nailed down, obviously not really in that position. I think I'd still personally take her over Sarah Brits, but again, biased. Um, do you think we'll see much of her at this World Cup? Obviously, she came back and played a lot of minutes at the end of the season and looked pretty good doing so. I feel like definitely if, even if Germany aren't going to look at starting her, she's another one of these players who, coming off the bench, it just feels like Germany can replace quality with quality. Yeah, I, I think, no, but I, th I think, I think we, I'm a bit more confident that I think Melanie Leupels can have a bit more of a say and in, 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 in a bit more of a, a role, even if it is off the bench. Because like you said, if, even if you're going to start Sarah Dabritz or you're going to start um, uh, Freigang or, or whoever you want in that midfield, Sydney Lohman, you're going to need to want to bring in someone who's a little bit more of a box-to-box -box player. I think there are going to be games where she 
her skill set will be very, very important. We've seen how she did against the likes of a Leon when Chelsea played a little bit more of a of a counter-attacking role. And while it's not exactly Germany style, but if Germany were to come up against, let's say, for example, a US or a Spain, I can see a midfield of uh, of of Lena Oberdorf, Sara Dabritz, and even Melanie uh, Melanie Leupold as a three, because I think, while I think Sydney Lohman is is a fantastic midfielder, and I think she's really good, and obviously Lena Magul's there as well, uh, who who be asking for it. I think if you want to really play with uh, a little bit more assurance uh, and a little bit more energy in midfield, I think a Dabritz Leupold's Oberdorf midfield, I think for me is is a really really good one. Um, and Lina Magul gives you creativity. I think Sydney Lohman, Lini Lina Magul, and 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 the, and the likes of those. I think are a bit more attack minded. Lord Frygang's another one. So um, I, I think there is an obvious place for her because Dabritz's most natural placement, or vice versa, is Leupold's and Dabritz. I think they will interchange with each other, if not sometimes maybe even play with each other. So I think I think Melanie will have a will have a say, and and I think her her last few games at Chelsea will probably have have given that. Uh, assurance to Vostaklenburg that okay Melanie's back to almost her best yeah will definitely be an interesting one to see how do you see this group going I, I mentioned Ji Soyeon obviously she kind of still remains the standout name for South Korea who potentially are the favorites to come second in this group but Colombia have a lot of very very talented players I've literally been banging on about them so much just because I think they're great they've obviously had some weird drama with Ireland whereby their game got cancelled for potentially spurious reasons all a bit unclear probably not an ideal warm-up to the world cup but germany seem like favorites to top this but who do you see coming second Abdul? it's gonna be tough because um you know it's it's obviously morocco's first world cup so i think for them just being there i think is a is a good um is a good experience i am kind of with you i think i like colombia i think linda caicedo is is the big name that was touted around where does she go where does she not go uh, Myra Ramirez, I think, is another good one. Lisi Santos is is there as well. I think I'll I think I'll, I'll give Colombia second place as well. I think I think for me it's 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 uh, they're a really good side. South Korea is there, but I think Colum- while while South Korea have a stand up player in G, I think Colombia have a couple of players that probably people haven't heard of that I think will will surprise a lot of people and 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 really put them on the map. So uh, yeah, I, I will give Colombia second place. Okay, we'll definitely be interesting to see on that one. That wraps us up on our World Cup previews. We will be back during the World Cup once it gets going, once I've reached Australia. And I think we'll be hearing a bit less from me and Abdullah together, but uh, hopefully a lot from us both separately. Um, Our different time zones might make it interesting over the next month, but we will be doing our absolute best to get lots of Chelsea-related World Cup content out to you. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.